Before we start, the following Shrinkage episode features listener stories containing references to drug and alcohol abuse, addiction, suicidal thoughts, and trauma. If that is something you prefer not to hear, or if there's any possibility that will be a trigger for you in any way, we suggest you please skip this episode. If you or anyone you know is struggling with drug and alcohol addiction, we have a list of resources available on our website at gayishpodcast.com slash recovery. And now, enjoy this shrinkage episode of Gayish. Oh no, Kyle. It happened again. What happened, Mike? Shrinkage. (laughs) Oh no. (laughs) I'm Mike Johnson. I'm Kyle Getz. This is Gayish. When we decided to sit down and do episode 229, Recovery, we asked our listeners on several different platforms if they would please also share their stories. And we received quite a few, uh, so much so that we couldn't fit them into the main episode and decided instead to compile them together and make this shrinkage. We're so fortunate to have such an amazing listener base, and we really appreciate the way that you all are supporting each other. Uh, It's quite humbling, actually, to see such an awesome community develop around this crazy little show Thank you to everyone who sent in their stories. Uh, We really appreciate your vulnerability and willingness to share with our community. The first one actually is a voicemail that we received from adorable country singer and a fraternity brother of mine, Blake Haney. Hello, Gayish Podcast. Uh, This is Blake. And I have been eight years sober Uh, The way I do so is that I tend to drive myself everywhere. So I never put myself in a situation where I cannot get to a car, my car namely, um, so that if I feel the need to drink, uh, I dip out pretty quickly. Um, I'm the king of Irish goodbying, so people know that if I just disappear, that that is the reason that I disappear. Uh, I don't like to make big grand exit because... Uh, it's a lot of questions. Why, 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 why are you leaving? And it becomes more dramatic than it has to be. So I just leave. We received quite a bit of feedback about our episode 208, Sobriety with Davey Wavy. Some positive, some negative. This email stuck out and is the type of feedback that we absolutely love to get by, from Anthony Fisher. I have to say I was excited to see that there was a sobriety episode as I was hoping you would talk about this issue. I had even thought about suggesting it since addiction runs rampant through the LGBTQ plus community. I myself being a recovering alcoholic. I have to say you completely missed the mark on this one. Having someone who has never drank and admittedly gets high all the time does not really qualify as sober and ended up just being tone deaf. He himself said he doesn't like to say sober because it implies he once wasn't. There are so many amazing people in our community who have been through hell and back to get and stay sober who could have really made an impact on your podcast. I don't think the episode was a downer at all, nor do I think sobriety needs to be. I and many sober people can tell their story and have you cracking up about it. I've been to many AA meetings that were more like nights at a comedy club. I hope you revisit this topic in a later episode and have a discussion with someone who has gone through it. I find your drinking games funny and do not judge anyone for drinking. I am a great DD to my friends. There are so many things about sobriety that I would have loved to hear you discuss, but I will not list them all here. I will continue to listen. I love the show and hope you revisit this topic at a later date. Thanks for taking the time to hear me out, Anthony. And Anthony was kind enough when we asked about recovery stories to send us his via voicemail. My name's Anthony. I'm an alcoholic. It took me a long time to be able to say that to myself, let alone anyone else. And now it's just such a part of me. I say it without thinking. Uh, my sobriety, uh, well, m- my recovery started when um, 
I woke up one morning very early and decided to drink um, a bottle plus a Jägermeister before work at 11 a.m. And uh, I knew at that point that I was either going to lose my job for not showing up or I could get help. So I called my parents and uh, at 37 years old, uh, admitted to them that I was a closet drinking alcoholic. And uh, they helped me uh, get into a rehab facility. My biggest fear going in was that I was going to somehow lose myself. I, I, I wasn't going to be the same person I was um, sober as I was drunk. I wasn't going to be as funny or as charming or as witty because I am hilarious and also very charming. And it was only a few days into my sobriety that I realized that I was the same person sober. It's just been so long since I'd actually been sober that I had forgotten who I really was. I came out of rehab. I actually had a great time in rehab. I met amusing people. Uh, for someone who only drank, I learned a ton of things I didn't know about drugs and the world of drugs from those people around me, um, who many of whom I, I still talk to and communicate with. After that, AA meetings kept me going. They're not for everyone. I'm, I'm going to say they weren't for me. I haven't been in a couple years, but they they got me through. They definitely give you a sense of community which it's about, you know, you're you're not the only person going through this. It's important to remember that other people have struggled and walked this path before you, and other people have come out the other side, and, and you can too. It, it took me a long time. I guess it's strange for me because I'm a, I'm a bartender and a server and a restaurant manager. It was easy for me to go back to work and not drink, but it was terrifying for me, I guess, when I started to go back out into public places. Going out in gay spaces, I have continuously gone to gay bars probably after a year after being sober i started going back with my friends to gay bars i designate uh, i'm the designated driver for everyone it's great because they don't have to worry about getting home and it's great for me because i remember everything that they do and i love to tell them all about it the next day sometimes i make things up and they look shocked because uh, they have no recollection of dancing with monkeys on the bar because i just throw things in to really mess with them I was in P-Town a couple, two years ago for Bear Week, and I went to events, and people offered me drinks, and I said, no, thank you, I don't drink, and everyone was super respectful of that. Um, I feel like when I go to um, gay places or any place, I'm just open and honest with people, and I say, no, thank you, and if they press the issue, I tell them, you know, I'm in recovery, and then they can't be sorry enough, they can't offer me soda water fast enough. You know, there's definitely a big um, support group in the gay community for um, recovery. Uh, there are plenty of gay meetings. There, there are plenty of gay safe spaces. You know, there, there's definitely a world out there um, outside of, of, of alcohol and drugs, and I think it's, it's important that people know that. And if you think you have a problem, if you're starting to question whether or not it's a problem, it's probably a problem. And I urge anyone to seek help, reach out to a friend, look up a meeting, get go to an AA meeting and introduce yourself and talk to people. You can have my email address. You can call me. I don't care if people call me 24 hours a day. Anything to, to help someone. But it's it's a struggle at first, but, but it gets easier like everything else with time. So I just wanted to share a few thoughts on that. And um, thanks for listening.
This is an email that we received from Samuel Kohler. Good morning. I'm a very new listener. Sorry that I did not find your podcast sooner. Literally, I just discovered you guys this week, but I'm glad I finally did. Just finished listening to your sobriety podcast with Davey Wavy. Thank you for doing this broadcast. It is an important conversation for all communities to regularly be having, but I really appreciate your focus on the LGBTQ plus community. My name is Sam. I'm a 39-year-old gold star gay, son of a Presbyterian minister, grad student, husband, hiker, outdoor enthusiast, and an alcoholic. I have been sober for over four and a half years and am currently studying mental health counseling and addiction recovery. I really appreciated the candor and honesty you all spoke with. Listening to you all when you would ask questions or make comments, I heard a genuine respect and camaraderie and that no question was silly. The openness and honesty was great and really needs to be involved more with these conversations. It was the lack of judgment. It just felt like none of you were judging each other for the various experiences, issues, or thoughts you each brought to the conversation. In conversations such as these, including those involving mental health, we need more judgment-free environments, which I think can be difficult. Not just for those leading the discussions, but even for participants, as I feel the majority of us expect to be judged for our thoughts, and therefore bring that fear along with us, which oftentimes is expressed as defense. As someone in recovery, hearing Davy's story was really cool, but in all honesty, he is it. He is living his life, experiencing life, the way people in recovery work towards being able to do one day. The instinctual level of freedom Davy lives at, while naturally sober, is what people in recovery are hoping for. And while listening to the podcast, I don't think he realizes that, which is really cool because it just emphasizes his humility. So I really wanted to thank you both. As someone who is in recovery and working to help others find freedom from addiction, I wanted to make sure you knew you did a good job. Obviously, understatement, this pandemic has been difficult on most people in some way, especially with mental health and addiction. In my own sense of needing to help and give back in some way, I began a Facebook page and YouTube channel to be a resource for friends and others who might need to remember they are not alone in their addiction and struggle. I call it Son of Recovery, www.facebook.com forward slash a son of recovery. That's all one word, no spaces. If you know anyone who might be interested, feel free to pass it along. Haven't signed up on Patreon as I don't have my wallet with me at the moment, but I will later this morning. Thank you again from a new supportive listener and friend, Sam. Next up, we received a recorded story from Haley. She was referred to us by our studio namesake and longtime friends of the show, C and Javi. So here's Haley's story. Hi, I'm Haley and I'm an alcoholic. I identify as a cisgender lesbian. And I just received my six-year chip in March of this year. Um, my struggle was alcohol. Um, and it's, I mean, it's a daily struggle. It's something that I approach every day, whether I realize it or not. And it's probably the most difficult thing that I've ever had to deal with. My alcoholism came from not being comfortable in my own skin. Being from a small town in New Mexico, gay wasn't okay. And it's still not. I'm still in that small town and I now work at a high school. I try to create a safe space for my students. The ones that need it, they recognize me, they recognize the rainbows and the things that I have around my room that I use to indicate that this is a safe space for them. Um, I try to be the person that I wish I had in high school for these students. I'm really active in the theater scene. And I mean, we love theater because it's a safe environment and pretty much has been since the beginning of time. So that is, I mean, that's where I found my being the most comfortable when I was in high school. So I was asked the question, how do you navigate 
queer spaces as a sober person. My sobriety, I kind of compared it to when somebody really close to you passes away, how you have to get through those life milestones. The first year of everything, right? So you have your first sober holiday and that's something that usually is different, whether that's your birthday or 4th of July is usually a holiday that we partied real big on. New Year's Eve, New Year's Day, you know, those first time getting through things was the most difficult. And then you go to your first sober concert and your first sober wedding and all of the things that you would normally drink at and especially binge drink at, you approach those just head on. I think that was the most difficult thing about sobriety and it still is today is that we have to face our problems head on. We cannot hide behind the bottle like we used to be able to in the past. In sobriety, we figure out, for me, I figured out years on and still today, the reasons why I drank. They're revealed to me in different ways through different things. So to have to face those emotions or those trauma triggers or whatever the things are that cause us to drink, it becomes really difficult. But at the same time, it really builds your character. You make it through situations that you may not have thought that you could, or maybe in the past you weren't able to do that. But when you're forced to really honestly look at yourself, things become pretty clear. And to be able to approach that again honestly with yourself is been the biggest path to recovery. So I have one of the biggest things that has helped me the most is going to AA meetings. Um, and I found a little group, my meeting that I go to Saturday mornings at 8 a.m. There's not a lot of queer people in that space. But the neat thing about sobriety is in AA, we're all going through the same struggle. We're all going through the same race, right? So when I talk and I share my story, it's the same thing that happened to the person across the room. And it's, you know, it looks a little bit different, but it's it's the same thing. So you're easy, you're able to communicate those struggles and give your fellows, whoever's in there, um, you're kind of able to give them a helping hand suggestions of, hey, your problem sounds real similar to mine. This is my advice that I have for you because it's something that helped me out. So I think that really powerful sobriety is its own group of humans, just like being gay is their own group of humans. So I think that I am really fortunate and my story is probably more rare than it should be. Um, but when I came out, my family, they struggled with it for a little bit, but they didn't do anything like disown me. I've never been kicked out of my house. I haven't been discriminated against too much. Um, and I understand that that happens very frequently. Um, and you know, when you zoom out and do this really big picture on being queer and reasons for it, it's kind of like homelessness um, that, you know, people maybe were dealt a hand and they were never able to get back on their feet. So I've seen teenagers being kicked out of their house because they come out to their parents and then they end up being on the streets and then they end up drinking a lot. They end up finding drugs to to help supplement those bad things that's happened to them in the past. So like I said, I've been real fortunate in not having to experience any of that kind of negativity. Um, it did take my family a little bit of time to get their head around it, but now it's better. Um, also with my sobriety, my family is able to trust me. My partners are able to trust me. Um, just everything that 
my addiction um, was screwing up. Um, in my sobriety, I was kind of able to mend those relationships and just be a better person. So I think right now, what helps me in my recovery is, like I said, I work in a high school and I'm able to be that role model to people. Again, creating a safe space for my students, but also giving them the insight of addiction. I can't say that I understand all parts of addiction, but I can talk for my recovery and my alcoholism that I've been through. Um, so that's something that I use kind of every day when I see students struggling to sit them down and have a real life conversation and to let them know that, I mean, you can be successful and have a pass. Also, I could give them some kind of advice of, you know, this is what addiction looks like and you may be on the road to that or that may exist in your family's life somewhere. So here's some like pro tips to help you get out of it. I think being part of the queer community allowed me to figure out who I was. It was a place for me to realize that. Um, but at the same time, it was alcohol in the queer community. They went hand in hand. I don't think, I mean, when I was in the middle of my drinking, I don't think there was any queer folk that we were friends with or people in my life that were sober. So that kind of, there's a negative light in that, that alcoholism or drinking just in general went along with the queer community. I think to answer some of these questions that were sent is kind of perspective. Um, and if you've ever stepped into an AA meeting, um, that room is full of hope. That room is powerful and those people want to be alive on this earth. Otherwise they wouldn't, they wouldn't be there. They wouldn't be in the rooms. They wouldn't be trying to make themselves better. Um, that's genuinely what I believe recovery is, is that they are recovered from an addiction, depending on your perspective. I think that some people can look at themselves and say, I'm gay or any of the other things that go along with it is the reason that nobody likes them or the reason that they're upset or whatever that is. And then that gives them an excuse, using air quotes, an excuse to drink. So I always tried to, going back to loving myself and loving who I am and not being ashamed of being a queer person. And even so in this small community that I live in, um, being able to be myself. And it's scary sometimes having to stand up to other adults, other teachers, other principals and such that you know don't love gay people. That's really difficult, but it, there's, there's a lot of power in that as well. So if you could love yourself for being who you are instead of create an addiction to a substance because you're upset about who you are, I think that is really powerful. Being a woman, I have figured out many different things that I can do and use to empower myself instead of getting mad or getting frustrated about things. Be the change you want to see in the world, right? So we want to see powerful women that aren't held back by anything and especially that aren't held back by addiction. So that would be some advice that I have about my recovery in the queer community. Thanks for this opportunity. Thank you for considering me for this. Can't wait to hear the podcast. Here's a story we got in our inbox from Brad Shreve. Brad's drunken drugalog. I moved to Los Angeles after being recruited by a company in an executive level position. It worked perfectly as it allowed me to move in with my boyfriend after a long distance relationship. 
Immediately, we set up a great apartment and lived in bars four nights a week. After three years, my drunken, drug-filled, violent relationship ended the moment my partner was driven away in a police car. I was out of work and no place to live. For months, I flopped on one friend's couch to another until I ran out of friends who would put up with me. From there, I had to make a choice each night. Sleep on a bus, a bench on the Santa Monica Pier, or whore out my ass for a comfortable bed. To keep my sanity, I started weekly psychiatry sessions in the Los Angeles Gay and Lesbian Center's new domestic violence recovery program. Their sliding scale fees required me to pay a dollar per session. My psychiatrist was a great guy, and I thought things were going well until he told me it was a waste of his time trying to help with my brain at every session. He spent the next 45 minutes telling me his history of drinking and drug use, about getting sober, and ended by pointing out that he had a great job, a great relationship, and a house in the Hollywood Hills. He wrapped it up with, quote, that's where I am, but look where you are. You need to get the fuck out of my office and go to an AA meeting. He ended up by looking up where the next AA meeting was in West Hollywood and handing me a paper with the bus routes to get there. I went and cried for the full hour I was there. After a brief stint in an all-queer recovery house in Hollywood, I was sober, but back on the streets and no job. I went to AA meetings three times a day in either West Hollywood or Silver Lake. It sounds excessive, but I had nowhere else to go. As I got to know other sober men, I was able to get off the streets. Men would let me stay at their place under the stipulation it was for a week or two while I looked for a job. For sober men, offering a temporary home is called a couch commitment, their way to commit to staying sober by helping another. Unfortunately, getting sober doesn't mean you become an angel. Many predators stayed predators. Some gay meeting houses posted signs for newcomers stating, a couch commitment doesn't require you to have sex. They were nice words. I wasn't whoring my ass as often, but it wasn't over. One young, undeniably adorable guy who was also getting sober had to quit his job at the Metropolitan Community Church where many AA meetings were held. He struggled to keep his sobriety while having his crotch grabbed throughout the day. He had to leave West Hollywood. I wish I could say there was a magic ending, but it was fucking hard. There were times I wanted to give up, but my desire to live was just strong enough to keep me going. I learned which men are the ones who were there to help. They taught me how to survive in West Hollywood by introducing me to other sober guys who loved to be their gay old self, hang out, dish, and cruise in safe environments and not in the clubs. Oh hell no, the sex didn't stop, God forbid, but it became on my terms. The process of getting a job, a place to rent, and building healthy relationships took time, but was so worth it. My amazing husband and best friend and I have been together for 12 years, and I'm a successful author. We live in the suburbs of Los Angeles, away from the gay enclaves of West Hollywood and Silver Lake, but it's only because of his job. If we had the opportunity, I'd move back to it with no hesitation. I miss them and know how to have fun without having to pee and pee or go to the clubs. My journey was my journey, and it brought me to this wonderful life I have. My only regrets are the people I hurt along the way. Red Shreve. Next up is a voicemail that we got from a listener uh, who's actually a longtime listener of the show, but I think wishes to remain anonymous in this regard, um, mostly because he told it told us, uh, quote, I did it as Max because that's my grinder name. Anyway, here's Max's story. Hey, guys, this is Max, and I'm an alcoholic. I have been sober 31 years now, and um, how I got sober is that I realized the direction my life was going in was not doing me anything good. Um, both my brothers are still active alcoholics, and I could just see that I was on that same path. So uh, I stopped pretty young, and um, I've never never regretted it. Um, 
how I navigate queer spaces, being sober. Um, well, I haven't been to bars in years, but when I would go, uh, you know, I would drink water and, and just have fun and talk to my friends. And then once they or other people around me started getting too stupid, uh, I would leave. Same thing at parties when I go to house parties and stuff. I usually show up kind of early, have some fun, talk to the people. And then once it gets crazy, I just leave because it's, I don't know, I'm kind of embarrassed for people sometimes, um, how they act, but it's never, um, you know, never a temptation. Um, the best thing about AA is that you can go to gay AA all, all around the world. Um, I've done it in many, many cities, um, in this country and in other countries. And it's like you immediately have a group of friends. You're, you're immediately among friends. Everyone has a similar story and you just immediately get each other. And, um, that's been a really good way for me to make friends as I've moved around or traveled around on vacation. Um, also on cruise ships, uh, cruise ships can be very boozy and, um, you know, it's nice to meet a group of like-minded people that, you know, that just want to sit and talk about, uh, how they feel, having that all around them, but also again, a good way to, um, make friends. So I am really happy and proud of my sobriety and congratulations to everyone else who has it. And those of you that don't, you can get it. Just uh, come to a meeting. And if you're struggling, keep coming back. It works if you work it. Bye. Here's a story we received in our email. Hey guys, my name is Derek Griffey and I was a problem drinker. I've been sober since August 12th, 2019, so just under two years. I used to drink all of the time, and especially the last three years of my addiction were the worst. I drank at work, in the morning to go to work and wake up. I drank while driving. I drank on the side of the road, with friends, by myself, until I was completely isolated. There was a point in my drinking that I asked God to take my life because I couldn't deal with the pain of what I was doing to myself. I would love the opportunity to share my story as I've also started an addiction recovery podcast. I like to give my experience a positive twist since it was literally the darkest place that I had ever been in my life. I'd love the opportunity to share my story with your audience as I am no longer ashamed and I want to break the stigma of addiction and actually getting help. Thank you, Derek Griffey, creator and host of the Blue Cup Sobriety Project, bluecupsobriety.com. Well, that's all for this mini episode. It was mini. It was mini. It was an episode. And it was kind of gayish. Yeah. So remember to the three R's, rate, review, and subscribe. I'm Mike Johnson. I'm Kyle Getz. And be butch, be fabulous, stay out of the cold water.